Good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing this morning? You're all wide awake and ready to go, huh? Okay. Hey, it's great to have you with us this morning. My name's Tim, and uh, I'm filling in for somebody. Okay. Someone said, how long is the sermon going to be? Someone said, make it short. I've been gone for two weeks, okay? And, and I'm not going to be speaking next week. I'll be on vacation. Uh, but we're starting off a new series next week, folks, on the life of Joseph. And I hope you'll uh, you'll come to hear this very first lesson. It's very important you hear this first lesson because it kind of is it's kind of uh, relating to what we're talking about today a little bit, and that is that uh, how important are stories in the Bible? And that's going to be kicking off next week. We're going to be looking at this this life of this remarkable plain guy that did some remarkable things, just like you and I. God can use us, and He uses our pain, and He uses um, our problems as well as our abilities and talents for his purpose. But um, one of the things I, I noticed uh, at church camp this year, uh, I love working with the smaller kids. I, I said to my son, Nathan, I said, Nathan, um, I'm 62. I turned 62, by the way, last week, and, and a lot of you didn't know this, but I, I got a year older to retirement, close to retirement, and, uh, and, and to death. And... Um, <laughs> They may happen at the same time, but uh, one of the things that um, that I had, I, we went to Buffalo Wild Wings. Some of the staff came down, so I paid for my own birthday party. <laughs> it was like three hundred bucks. I mean, it was an expensive party, but we had a good time. We ate well, enjoyed each other's company, and we talked about what to anticipate at camp. One of the things I did not anticipate, we talked about how the campers are going to be there, Jesus is going to be there, we're going to be there. And Satan is going to be there. And we talked about how Satan is going to work on us because everybody that goes to church camp, including staff, are campers. It's not just, oh, staff and campers. I mean, we're all, we're, campers come in all ages, uh, especially during primary week. But one of the things that uh, I noticed, Elena and I were talking about this over coffee. We got together about 6.30 in the morning. I had a little cup of coffee, a little two-cupper brewing, and we'd sit under the awning. And near the boys' area, and we would talk about camp. Mike Dennis would come by. You know, other people would walk by, incoherent like zombies, but they walked by and waved. And we would sit there and talk a little bit about camp. And one of the things that we noticed was how little the children knew the stories in the Bible. You quote a Bible verse, or you quote the Bible, and they look at you like you had three heads. So what? Mike Dennis tells a, told a story in, the, in his cabin about Elisha. And how these youths, these, these kids were making fun of him because he had no hair. He was bald. Hey, bald one. Hey, bald one. And he told him, yeah, and a bunch of bears come out and killed and ate them. And the boys went, huh? That's in the Bible? Yeah, sure is. And so well, what I realized was is that a lot of kids don't know their Bible. They don't know the Bible stories. And you know, I know that's true about adults too. A lot of us here, we don't know the stories. Oh, we can quote some Bible. I used to think this. I used to say, oh, he knows enough Bible to be dangerous. I don't even know if some of us here even know enough Bible to be dangerous. We're pretty harmless. We quote a passage, maybe our favorite, and maybe we misquote it, or we quote the part we like. And if we, and if we do quote, if we do quote something, yeah, it's something either we like or it's a fragment of something much larger, and it's, you know, just bits and pieces and and God wants us to know his word and one of the reasons for this series is 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 that God wants us to have his word powerfully working in our lives. 
He wants God's, he wants your word. You know, the, the, God's word for him to say, let there be light. And so powerfully light came or, or when he said, I'm going to divide the night from the day with words, bam, and it happens. And I'm going to make man, bam, and it happens. You know, it's, um, I want God's word to work that powerfully in my life too, because there's some things that I just can't handle on my own. There's some things that I don't understand on my own. And so that was the goal of this series. And what I want to wrap up this series talking about is how to be blessed by the Bible. I'll take that back. Put a cross through that word blessed. How to be changed by the Bible. Because when we talk about being blessed, I think some of us think, well, give me something that will make me feel good. God wants you to do good too. He wants you to change. He doesn't just want to change your emotions, but change your character. Change your values. Change your decisions. You see, I've been at camp for two weeks. And I discovered something about Greater Alton from little campers. I discovered some things about your children from your children, some of your children. They don't know Bible stories because you don't. Churches of Christ were known for being Bible-quoting, Bible-toting people. What have we become? Well, we're becoming what you're becoming. What I'm becoming. We need to know these stories. It doesn't need to be some... Why, why is it that we... How Some of us here, we know about Trump shaking hands with crazy Oon. And we can't wait to tell somebody. We know we have political views, moral views, social views... I talked to a nine-year-old that put me in the ground when it comes to sports. I said something about Kevin Durant that was a little insulting, and man, he went off on me. How can you talk about him like that? I didn't say Jesus. I said Kevin. And he's just, the stats prove how good it is. Bam, 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 bam. Well, you know, let me tell you a story in the Bible. I never heard of that story before. Is it a reflection of our culture? I think it is. I think it is. We have strong political views. We know all the latest trends. I watched, I watched children could sing all kinds of songs from Taylor Swift, but have no clue about the songs of David. And I'm not, by the way, I like Taylor Swift. I like a lot of her songs. I do. Time to confess. I'm a, I'm one of the monsters of Lady Gaga. I follow her on Twitter. Just being honest. I think she's amazing. Immoral, but amazing. Okay. I'd love to talk to her and say, can we talk about something? Where's, where's the, where's the stories? What have hap- what has happened to God's stories and God's people? And Gary next week is going to talk about that. He's going to talk about the power of the story. You've got to be here. Please make make it uh, um, a priority to be here next week. Look at the scripture here in Second Timothy two. Here, we've used this so many times, talking to people, sharing the gospel with people. How important the word of God is. We say all scriptures God breathe. And look at how the this uh, disciples learning by uh, translation says it. All scriptures God breathe and profitable for teaching for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness, in order that 
NIV says, NIV says, so that the person of God may be complete, having been equipped for every good work. You know, I've, I've used this passage hundreds, maybe thousands of times to talk about you. You can expect this from the Word of God. It's going to teach you. It's going to correct you. It's going to rebuke you. Sometimes it's going to step on your toes and sometimes it's just going to stomp on them. But it's all designed to train you. You can expect that. But I forgot to sow that. Very often I forgot to sow that. What's the bigger picture here? What's really going on here? He's saying, no, these are the ways the Word of God, it's the means in which it does something else. What's that? It completes you. It changes you. The, what's the goal? What's the purpose of the Bible? It's to change my life. Not to know a bunch of stuff, but to actually make impact on my life. I say, well, I, it's designed to bless me. Yeah, and what is the blessing? To know God, that is a blessing. But to change. Jesus said, my words are life. What's it for? For my life, for your life. To change you. So the, listen, listen to me clearly, listen closely here. The goal of God's word is not that you learn something, but that you change something. In other words, but, you, but you're supposed to learn, aren't you, to change? Of course. But if I stop short of just learning, there's other, there's more road ahead of me. There's more there. More goal in front of me. It's to transform and change into someone. I hear this word dropped around occasionally. This new creation. Exactly. To make you and I into this new creature. That we were, you and I were intended to be. And the world has somehow just screwed it all up. And God says, hey, I, I want to change. I want to get you where I made you to be. To change you. And that's what I want to talk about today. How does the Word of God change me? I've talked about this before three other times in, in the last 20, maybe 15 years at Greater Alton. What... How do I, am I blessed by the Bible? But what I want you to think about is when you think of the word blessing, that you're not after some kind of cozy feeling, but you're after experiencing a change in your life. You see, if anybody's experienced lots of changes in their life, it was David, huh? Man, tons of stuff happened to that man. All kinds of things. And you watch him grow from this ruddy, the Bible says ruddy, I think of Danny, red-headed, freckle-faced, rough-looking, like that, that logo on Hux. I swear that's Danny every time I see it. And, and it, the Bible says David was ruddy. He was a little kid, and he kind of had a swagger to him. And remember when he walks up to Goliath, and he says, you know, you come to me with sword and spirit. I come to you in the name of the Lord. You're going down, big guy. And sure enough, one swift and pow, and a stone sinks in his head, and it's game over, dude. Game over. It's over, man. In a hurry. And he, and you see him grow and become this king, and you, you think, man, this guy's, the Bible says he's after a gun's old heart. He is amazing. He wants to, he wants to do all kinds of things, but then he sleeps with Bathsheba, some, Uriah's wife, one of his best friend's wives. Man, what's happened to this guy? 
And he goes through such such suffering because of he breaks the word of God. He rebels against the word of God, and God runs him through the ringer, loses that child, loses his throne for a while. You just watch this guy going through all kinds of changes in his life, and God's after him. By the way, while you're after while you're after the heart of God, you know what he's after? He's after yours too. He's really after the core of you. And so he wants to develop this this character. And you see this, and you see David grow and mature. Years ago, uh, I was told by Charles Hodge, Brother Gill, when you turn 40, you ought to read the book of Psalms. And I'd recommend anybody in their 40s to read the book of Psalms. Why is that? You learn a lot about midlife from David. You see him going through moments when he's sad and mad, but God makes him glad. You see God always turning him around, turning the turning his life around. And look what he says here in Psalms 1. I was shown this by Rex Crossland back when I was a rookie preacher. And in Psalms 1, David says these words, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way of sinners' seats or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water. Does that sound strong? Does that sound powerful? Which yields its fruit in seasons. Does that sound like he's growing up and changing and maturing? Leaving something good behind. That's what fruit is. Leaving something good behind. It says, whose leaf does not wither. It sounds like he's healthy. Stays spiritually healthy. Whatever he does prospers. Does that whatever mean whatever, whatever, whatever? Anything? I think he's talking about the context of the will of God. But whatever he does, he's able to attain. If I want to please God, I can attain that. If I want to do something, be used by God with my life here on earth, it can be done. And it isn't, it doesn't fail. It actually grows and prospers. But notice those changes that occur, like a tree, like fruit, whose leaf doesn't wither, and he prospers. Why? He's blessed. And by the way, if you just take a pencil or a pen, cross out the word blessed to put change. Changed is the one who does not walk in the step of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or take a seat in the company of mockers. See the change already happening? But his delight, is is the Word of God your delight? That's a big change. When people begin to see the Word of God as something they need, they got to have rather than an option, that's a big change in life. He says... He says that person is like a plate. What? The changing person who yields and whatever he does prospers. And look what he says in Psalms 119, verse 2. The best, the best chapter in the Word of God as far as I'm concerned is Psalms 119. All 176 verses refer to the Word of God. I know how, how many verses because I remember the first time I went through Psalms 119, I noticed in the first paragraph, every verse was about the Word of God. So I decided to highlight every verse in Psalms 119 that referred to the Word of God. And the whole thing was highlighted when I got done. Oh, that's in one of my old Bibles. And look what he says. You're blessed. Can I say it this way? You're changed when you stay on course. Walking steadily on the road revealed by God. You're changed, you're blessed when you follow His directions, doing your best for Him. 
I really want us to get off to understand. It's not just feeling good when I leave church or feeling good after I've had a quiet time and have the warm fuzzies, but going out going, I'm going to be different. I'm going to be different. I'm going to grow. And see, only you can decide that. Only I can decide it for my life. Only you can decide that for yours. So how do I get this? How does this happen? What can I do to be blessed, to be changed by God's Word? Well, let me give you four that are very fundamental. Four steps you can do, but extremely important. Number one, I ask for help. I request help from God and the godly. Before I opened my Bible, I asked somebody, how do you, how do you get blessed? Blah, blah. I said, well, how about opening it for a change? And I went, yeah, ouch. That's, that's a, I didn't think we'd have to talk about that, so we're not. But if I open my Bible, I don't, I don't just open my mind or my heart. I open my mouth and I ask God, help me understand what I'm about to read. Because i got news for you, folks. There are times when I read my Bible, I don't think I'm the only one here. I don't get anything out of it. And so and so beget so and so and so and so beget so and so and so and so beget so and so and I'm like, oh, how long is this going to go on? Oh, for three chapters, Tim. Oh. So what did I learn? A lot of begetting going on. Sometimes you're not going to, you're not going to be, prof- you know, not something profound isn't going to happen. Sometimes you read the Bible. Especially if you're busy and you're wandering around, you got all this stuff on your mind. So I ask God, this is what works for me. I ask God, God, would you help me? Help me understand this Bible better. Help me understand what's your word. In fact, look what David says. Help me understand your guiding principles. Notice he says they're guiding him. He's after change, folks. Open my eyes to see the wonderful truths in your teachings. And I'm listen, I'm not trying to say you can't feel good if you've read the Bible. Okay, that's great that you do. David one time said in Psalms 119, when I see something in your word, it's like finding a great treasure. It's exciting. And I love it when I find something in the Bible. I go, oh, that's so encouraging. But what's it encouraging me to do is what I'm talking about. So I ask God, open, open. I, sometimes I'll even pray through the passage. Just pray through it. We did a whole year. I believe, in a daily text where we prayed through the Bible. I remember doing Psalms 51 and praying, Lord, and remember he says, against you and you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight. It was his confession about Bathsheba and I was praying, God, you know, guard my heart against lust. And I'm praying through this passage and Denise gets a phone call and says, is Tim okay? Why? I just read his daily text. Is he up to something? I'm just reading, praying through the Bible. And she goes, don't you worry, he's not up to anything because he prays like that. He's praying through the Bible. Let me tell you, you pray through the Bible and you open your heart and pray through a passage, you got nothing to worry about. Holy Spirit will help you. He will minister to you. He'll take care of you. No, I... I ask God for help. Another thing I can do is I can ask others too. I ask other people, godly people, good people. I don't ask somebody who doesn't believe in the Bible. Well, they might be able to help me understand why they're confused. And I can work on that. Oh no, listen folks, the reason a lot of people are confused with the Scriptures because we, we do a good job of confusing them. Okay? They look at our lives and go, hmm. 
So sometimes listening to somebody who is not a believer is good for us. We learn a lot from them. We can learn some insights. But if I really want to understand the Scriptures, I'll ask somebody that knows the Scriptures or somebody knows them a little more or maybe has a different, different idea. I just want to hear it. I love this passage with the Ethiopian eunuch in Acts 8. It's my, one of my favorites where this guy is searching and he is seeking. He's looking. Just like David said in Psalms 119 verse 2. This guy is looking. And I want to tell you, if you're looking for God this morning, if you've been searching for God, God will reward you for that. He will bring somebody into your life. And I love this passage that because it says there as, as uh, Philip was doing his thing in Samaria, he's told, I want you to... The Spirit of God says, I want you to go way over here in the middle of nowhere. There's a guy reading his Bible. And he goes, and then the Spirit says to him, it's nudging him, says to him, go stay near that chariot. Go stay near him. What a lesson for us, huh? I am a product. I am a result of somebody staying near me and refused to stop running and kept pushing me, pointing me, urging me, bugging me to look at the Scripture. And sometimes, guys, church, listen, we don't need to resist the Spirit. When the Spirit brings us somebody, we just need to stay with them until they come around. And look at this. It says here, Philip ran up to him. He saw the man from Ethiopia was reading from the writings of the early preacher Isaiah and said, do you understand what you're reading? I wonder why maybe Philip said that. Maybe he's... I gotta get, I gotta either get the chariot to stop or I gotta, do you understand what you're reading? And look what the eunuch says this. So how can I unless someone teaches me? And it says, then he asked Philip to come up and sit beside him. He asked for help. And the Bible says from that passage, he explained Jesus to him. That's important to remember because you're going to find out church. The whole Bible is about Jesus. The whole Bible is about Jesus. You're going to see this in a minute. So if you don't read the whole Bible, you're not going to get a clear picture of who Jesus is. Just think about it, okay? You've got to know those stories. They help you understand who Jesus is. Am I talking about next week already, Gary? I'm sorry. That's the first thing I do. I just ask, God, help me. He'll answer that prayer. He promises if you ask for wisdom, He'll give it to you. You may not like the way He gives it to you, but hey, He's answering. He'll answer yes. He'll answer yes every time. He'll tell you what's going on. He'll find a way to get that word to you. Number two, I reflect on what God says. I want to get, I want to be blessed. I want to change. I want the Bible to change me. I have to think about it. I got to give more mental energy than I'm giving to it. You're assuming something, Tim. I don't think I have to assume. I have to, I, I'm telling you about me. I have to give more mental energy when I'm looking in the Scriptures than I do anything else because it doesn't have an impact on me until I give a lot of time to it. Dedicate time to it. Dedicate moments with it. Now, another word for reflection is meditation. And I, just for clarity, we're not talking about, you know, some Eastern meditation guru guy where you bend yourself up into a pretzel and Little symbols on your... That's not what we're talking about. No, meditation... I heard this years ago and it stuck with me. Meditation is not emptying your mind. It is filling your mind. It's filling your mind with what the Bible says. 
You see, that's why a casual reading may entertain you, but it will not change you because you'll forget most of what you read with a casual look at the Scripture. Just think about that. See, I have, to, I have to invest the mental energy. You say, I don't know if I have the energy to do that. Well, you sure have enough energy to watch Game of Thrones. You have enough energy. Where's the amen? You have enough energy to watch TV? Come on! That filthy garbage, you'll watch that? And then you wonder why you can't remember anything from the Word of God? you got too much crap crammed in your head! No, a casual reading is not going to work. It requires investing mental energy and reflection listen reflection is concentrating and looking in two places it's looking into the bible and looking into your life at the same time james does that right he says if you look at the word of god it's like looking in a mirror what do i see in a mirror which mirror are you looking in if you're looking in a rearview mirror you're looking at somebody else god says that's not the mirror that's not the mirror you're supposed to use it's, it's the one where you see yourself you're looking into God's Word and it reveals what it, about you. You're able to see both at the same time. It, reflecting means you're just thinking about it over and over and over. Not, oh, I'm done. Now i got to get on with my day. Well, Tim, it's hard for me to work and concentrate on the Word of God. when I, My work takes a lot of mental energy. Well, obviously, you can't go to work looking at, you know, starting your day by having the mirror in front of you all the time. How can you keep focused? But you come back to it again and again and again, thinking about it. Look at David. David said, I want to reflect on your guiding principles and study your ways. I heard it said this way. When you reflect and meditate, and compared it to a cow who eats and chews its cud and spits it back up and chews it some more, a two-year-old does that, and I don't like it. You know, maybe, well, not six months. One of my grandchildren was chewing and then spitting it up in front of me going, what are you going to do about it? (laughs) If I had you for five minutes by myself, you know, no, I'll go, no, we can't do that, Mabry. Come on. You want to chew. Denise goes, no, that ain't going to work. Chew your food. Swallow your food. I go, I'll remember that. No, it's... It, I've heard it compared to a cow and, that, and that rumination, I guess is what they call it. Is that what they call it? Rumination? I can't remember. But, but here's, the th- here's the way I heard it said that really helped me. This idea of, of reflecting is like thought digestion. I just think about it again and digest a little bit more. You know, when you have breakfast in the morning, it isn't all out of you it's, it's with you the whole day, right? It's the most important meal of the day, right? And, and you know, the, our quiet times, our devotional life, which, by the way, to me, is one of the most powerful ways to learn the Bible, is you just spending time with your Bible and reading it. You may not remember everything, but it'll sure make a difference. No, it's, it's thought digestion. And look how David describes it again in verse 97 of Psalms 119. Oh, how I love your teachings. I think about them all day long. And you say, I don't think I can do that. Well, fellas, I know there was a time when a girl, you thought about her. How, how did Anakin Skywalker say it? I can't breathe. You thought about her all day, or you thought about something you're going to do 
that night, you're going to maybe some event or a vacation or you're a trip or something. You can't, you think about it all day long. I had to be sent home one time at work early because they were afraid I was going to hurt myself because I was thinking about Florida. Denise and I were going to Florida. Gil, you need to go home before you cut a finger off. That would ruin my trip. No, and, and what I'm saying to you is we think about what we want to think about, folks. And David is, he goes, I love your teachings and I think about them all day long. What does he love them and then think about it? Or does he think about it and then love them? I don't know. It sounds like it kind of works on each other there. And so like a meal I'm digesting, I'm chewing it over all day long. And I'm thinking of this, these questions. What is God saying? And what's he saying to me? Oh, look at verse 148 here. My eyes are op- wide open throughout the nighttime hours to reflect on your word. Can I ask you a question? What keeps you up at night? Is it the word or worries? You say, well, I worry about a lot of stuff, Tim. Me too. And see, we don't need any practice on how to reflect because worry is reflection. We just need to work on what we're going to reflect on. And there's something powerful when I, when even at night, I'm thinking about something the Word of God has said. Number three, I recall and recite God's words. There is something powerful about remembering the Word and saying it from your lips. Now, I know some of you here, maybe you've got a Pentecostal background, and I remember years ago as a kid, I heard a preacher going, here's what you say when you have Satan attacking you back behind the Satan in the name of Jesus, you know, and and I'd go, does he really mean to say that? That's what we're supposed to say? And yes, he did mean that. And I thought, how foolish. Well, I've grown a lot since then. There's something powerful about saying it too. Saying the Word of God. Remembering the Word of God and reciting the Word of God. See, you and I have heard a lot of words over our lifetime. A lot of statements made by people in our lifetime, Right? Some of them have hurt us, and you're still dealing with it, like me, still dealing with it. My dad called me dummy. My dad called me stupid. I'm still dealing with that. I'm still dealing with something my dad said to me when I was four. I also have, like you, not just hurtful words or hard words to deal with, that you're pro- but also good and positive things. Hearing my neighbor, Dwayne Adams, a godly man, say to me, Tim, you're going to be a preacher someday. Or you're going, you're, God has got something in mind with you. You're going to be just fine. You keep trusting the Lord. Or my mother saying to me, Tim, just keep believing the Scriptures. Or keep, keep hanging in there. Or my wife saying to me, what does that say, Tim? What does that say? Well, I just don't think, well, there's the, I'll never forget. She goes, that's the problem. You're not thinking. Hey, you're sarcastic. But she was right. And I remember that. And it stuck with me. What's the Bible say? That's what your preacher says. That's, and by the way, there's no power in quoting Tim. Well, my church says, my church believes, I remember what Tim said years ago. Now I could see Jesus. I could see God going, what am I word? Chop liver here? What's the deal? But don't you think you say good things, Tim? I try to most of the time. Underline try. I try. But there's something powerful about remembering and reciting the Word of God. Look at this. Remember what you said to me, David says in Psalms 119, your servant. I hang on. Listen to this. I hang on these words for dear life. 
These words hold me up in bad times. Yes, your promises rejuvenate me. There are just some things we remember that, that fire us back up. Now, just studying for this lesson got me all excited about God's Word again. You know, and even more excited and going, man, I want to, I want to read the Word of God. But I just want to ask you, maybe there's some, what are, what do you find yourself remembering most of the time? If you've been around me, you probably hear one or two quotes from movies. You know anybody like that? We need a bigger boat. One of my favorite from my cousin Vinny. I'm done with this one. <laughs> Thousands of them are going right now, going through here, going through my head right now. Pilgrim, pilgrim, man shall liberty bounds. Just little, little movie quotes. I know you, some of you, I'll start, I'll start, Danny and I will get together and we'll start trading movie quotes. Is it a sickness? Is it an illness? Is it some kind of syndrome? All I know is my wife starts rolling her eyes when we start going. <laughs> you know, we're getting together for zone meeting and all we're hearing about is all these movies. Play it again, Sam. And that reminds me of a quote, Denise. I don't want to hear another quote from some movie. I got on psychology today this morning just to see what's wrong with me. Because <laughs> I quote all these movies all the time. And they said, well, it's not really bad. They used to think it had something to do with relationships. They think maybe it's how you connect with people. Well, with some people, I definitely don't connect with Denise when I'm doing this. But they, they've listed as some kind of syndrome, some kind of problem. There's a snake in my boot. Where'd that come? It's like I've got movie Tourette's. And we have all these movies, our favorite movie quotes. Are, and I know we could sit here all day and talk about that. David doesn't quote any movies. That's what challenges me. He doesn't quote a movie. The words he thinks about and remembers and recites are not the words from earth, but the words from heaven. They're much better. See, there's lots of words we're getting on earth. We're getting from CNN and MSNBC and Fox. And we're getting lots of words from the White House and lots of words from Congress and a lot of, a lot of words from protesters and a lot of words from our mom, a lot of words from our dad, a lot of words from college, a lot of words in high school, a lot of words even in preschool. They're coming from everywhere. A lot of words around the water tank at work. A lot of words just out on the street. Overhearing words at a restaurant. All kinds of words back and forth on this earth. Where are the words from heaven coming for you? How interested are you and I really in the words that come from heaven to David? He said, I I hang on these words for dear life. I hang on them, Tim. You do? Yeah, they hold me up in the bad times and they rejuvenate me. Sounds like it's I'm powerful. I'm more powerful with them. And then he says in verse 13, I have recited your laws. Jesus, you know how many times Jesus quoted Scripture? Quoted them all the time. 78 different times did Jesus quote from the Old Testament. He quoted from 27 of the Old Testament books. He quoted verses when he was tempted. He quoted quoted the Scriptures when he was 
arguing with Pharisees or scribes or experts in the law. He quoted scriptures when he was healing people. He quoted scriptures, and his most favorite book he quoted from was Psalms. And it was Psalms that he quoted from when he was dying on the cross. When he said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That was quoting out of Psalms 22. Our Master, our Lord, shows us what words really matter. And let me just encourage you to think about, when was the last time you quoted a Bible verse? You memorized a Bible verse. You quote it in the middle of something. A few weeks back, I went off on a couple of my employees. I was just in a bad mood. It was crazy. And I went off on them. I lost my temper. I go into my office and one of them comes to me. He's training. He goes, Tim, why are you doing that? We're training here. We're training here. And this is the verse that popped into my head. A man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. So I say to him, I want to apologize for the way I was acting. Now, after I picked him up off the floor, because he had never heard a boss ever apologize, I said, well, you're going to hear it quite often. Because... The Bible says this to me, that my anger does not produce the righteous life that God wants. What verses keep you in line? What verses? I will not look at a woman lustfully. I've made a covenant with my eyes, said Job. doesn't mean he isn't a healthy man. He's just being honest and saying, I'm going to make a covenant with my eyes. What's the verse that gets to you? Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. When you feel alone, that's what it says in Hebrews. I'll never leave you, Tim. I'll never forsake you. What verses are you recalling? Well, my grandmother once said, or my mom once said, I'm not saying they're bad words, but the greatest words of all come from heaven. And man, just to, to think about it, to put them in your, to commit them to memory, to put them on a post-it card, you know, or, or put it on a, on a note or something, just to remember it so I can, next time I'm about to do something stupid. He who hates correction is stupid, Proverbs 12.1. I know that verse so well. My sons, we'd read it on the 12th of the month, every, uh, of every month for a long time, and they'd always laugh. Uh, the Bible says stupid. And I go, yeah, but you know why it says, who's stupid? You are, Dad, because you don't listen to advice? Is that what it is? Well, what about you guys? Oh. Let me show you a passage up here on the screen. This is this is this is this passage. It says, Let the word of Christ dwell on you richly. This is a passage we should be memorizing. We should know by heart. We really ought to have. Let the word of Christ, it says, dwell in you richly. How do I remember a passage like that? How do I memorize a passage like that? This little passage has got tons of stuff in it. And sometimes just looking at the passage, praying through the passage, emphasizing a word in the passage helps me understand it. Some people say, how do you figure some of this stuff out? I just read the verse over and over and over again. What's that called? Meditation, reflection. For example, let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. I decide. You decide. Nobody can make you. Nobody can make me. 
I let it happen. You can jam it down my throat all you want. Until I let, until I open, it doesn't get anywhere. I know I'm not the only stubborn person in this room. Right now, God's trying to get something in your heart, some word in your heart, and you are being stubborn. How do you know that? Because I know what it's like to be stubborn. I know I've done that. And you're just fighting God. And if you would just let the word of Christ, let his word sink in. Oh, the difference it would make. This is let the word of Christ. Look at the second statement now. The word of Christ. Not Lady Gaga's words. Not Nancy Pelosi's words. Not Madonna's words. Let the word of Christ. See, I choose. You choose. We choose which words are going to get in here and really stick. I want to change. You want to change? You want to be blessed by the Bible? You've got to choose your words carefully. Not the words you speak, the words you hear. The ones you're going to live by. He says, let the word of Christ dwell in you. Look at the second one. Dwell as opposed to what? Absent and dead. See, I decide if the words of Christ are going to be living in me. The Bible says the Word of God is living and active. I decide how living and active it's going to be. I, that, that's, a, I think, a safe conclusion. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you, not with you. We all got gobs of Bibles. Bible verses plastered everywhere. The Bible talks about wanting the Word written in our hearts, in us. How deep is the Word of God getting in you, in your life? And do the word richly. Look at that. Let the word of God dwell in you richly. Does it dwell in you richly or is it poor? Is it shallow? So you and I decide that. And Paul urges us. He urges you and I. And that's how I can recall and recite. So there's times I just need to remember. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. God, I'll ask your help. Help me out here. Help me open my heart and let you fill my heart, my life with your word. And what's the last thing? I respond to God's word. You say, oh, application. Folks, I heard it said years ago, and I'll never forget it. Information without application leads to frustration. I know a lot of people know the Bible, and you know people know a lot of the Bible that aren't changing. They don't change. I've realized something else over the years. I only believe the parts of the Bible that I actually do. The Bible says to be generous. Of course it does, are you? The Bible says to be a servant. Oh yeah, I know that. Are you? The Bible says to be totally committed, be all in. Now, I, know, I know what Jesus says there. I know he says that in Luke. Are you? Am I? I know the Bible says things like being a person of integrity. That means I don't cheat on my income taxes. That means I don't cheat and rip off other people. Yet I know some of you here do that. You still do that. But you say, I believe what the Bible says. Well, you don't believe that passage, apparently. You don't believe the Bible about what the Bible says about integrity. You know what you're really saying when you are not honest? I trust me more than I trust God. What about kindness? You see, it's not the Bible verses that I don't understand that I have the most trouble with. 
Blah, 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 blah. Right? It's the ones I do. Look at James here. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Don't just know something. You're being a fool of in that way. If you know something, you don't do it. You're just you're deceiving yourself. You think that's really going to change or bless your life? You're crazy. He says, no, do what it says. And there's another thing I've realized. I can know the Bible and miss God's blessing. I can know the Bible and miss God's blessing here. I don't want any of us here to miss it this morning. Look at this. Jesus talks about this to some guys. He says, you have your heads in your Bibles constantly because you think you'll find eternal life there, but you miss the forest from the trees. These scriptures are all about me. Now, he's specifically talking about the Old Testament here, folks. He's talking to the Pharisees. He says, all these Old Testament stories, all this stuff, you think that if you... You read them and know them, you'll have eternal life. Well, is there anything really wrong with that? I think he's, that's true. He says, but they're about me. And here I am standing right before you, and you aren't willing to receive from me the life you say you want. Now, you say you want this life, church, by being here on Sundays. I got news for you. What you really want will be determined the moment you leave. What you really want. The life you really want. Because you and I are living what we tolerate. See, the Bible will never bless me or change me if it just stays in my head. It's got to spread. I've had people say to me, what's your favorite translation? I know she used a lot of different translations in the Bible. I just think you do that to match what you really want to say. And you just find you a convenient little passage to match what you want to say. I use different translations because I like them. And they help me understand. And I may have a favorite translation, but you ever thought about God has a favorite translation? His best translation, his most favorite translation, is a living translation in you. I'm a, I'm a, I just want to be frank here a little bit, and, and we're going to close out here this morning. See, I know a lot of people know the Bible. And they can quote it, and they have lots of Bibles in their home, but they have basically stayed the same over the years. And then they wonder why their family isn't, their kids aren't where they ought to be. Why, why, I bring them to church. I even get them involved in youth group. There must be something wrong with the church, Alan. That's gotta be it. There's something wrong with the youth group. There's something wrong with the kids ministry, Gary. Why didn't I get that? That's what it is. Come on, people. One thing i got to admit about us at Greater Alton, I hope we've never gotten away from reality that we're still willing to talk about our dirty laundry. The problem is not necessarily the church or the youth group or this or that. or that. I'm not saying that that doesn't help. But there are a lot of reasons our kids grow up not knowing the Scriptures or not as intense about 
about uh, God's word or God's purpose or their friends don't, you know, our friends don't believe the scriptures, our co-workers don't seem to be believing in the scriptures. They want to believe, but they, they're getting a translation that's confusing them. And you thought the King James was confusing. You may want to look at your translation. You may be confusing people because they, they see you quote it, but then they watch how you're doing it. And it just doesn't match. And that's what turns off most people. I've turned a lot of people off from the Scriptures because my life did not match. You say, well, nobody's perfect. I'm not talking about... people. Listen, folks, people understand that you're weak and you're inconsistent. It's when we deliberately just ignore the Scriptures and we claim to be following them. That's the, part, that's the gap we need to close in on. Look what James promises here. But if any anyone keeps looking steadily in God's law for free men, he will not only remember it, but he'll do what it says, and God will greatly bless him in everything he does. You want to bless your family and your friends? You want to bless your kids? The Word of God must be higher than it is right now. It's got, it's got to be lifted up in your life. They've got Our kids, our children, our grandchildren need to see that we're serious about the Lord. You know, I, I, I get sometimes I, 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 I have people say to me, well, the only reason old people are serious about God is because they're getting close to dying. Really? Well, I think I know how to change that if younger people were, were serious too. Then they could see it's consistent. They wouldn't see this desperate flavor. No, God will bless you and I when the Word of God is living in me. I translate it so much better. I love this passage as we close in Psalms 119. It says, I have thoroughly tested your promises. And that's why I love them so much. David says, you know how come I love your Word, Lord? Why? Why, why David? I tested them. So other people have. And I listened to them. But then I decided to test it myself. And I discovered from application a greater understanding of what you're talking about. Sometimes you've got to follow through and do something you don't understand before you really can understand it. Let me ask you, have you, are you testing the Scriptures? What Scripture are you testing right now? I think about a passage that's tested me before. Bring the whole tithe to me and see if not, I'll, I won't open the floodgates and pour out so much on you, you won't be able to contain it. That's Malachi 3. Or seek God's kingdom first and I will take care of everything else. How do you know if a promise is good? How do you know if something's going to hold weight? You've got to sit in it. You've got to put your weight on it. You've got to test it. And maybe one of the reasons some of the verses in the Bible you just have a hard time believing is because you really never tested them. You thought you did, but you didn't you didn't really test them. Try them out. As we close, I want you to think about this this morning, church. The Word of God wants to work powerfully in your life. It will not work from neglecting it. It won't be powerful. It won't be powerful. It's casual. 
but it will be powerful when you begin to test it. I've learned anything over the years. I've learned this, that when I apply the Word of God, it always blesses me. It may not always make me happy. I might be miserable for a while, but I'll tell you what, it always ultimately blesses my life in some way. And I think you know that too. Some of you here know what I'm talking about. It blesses you with peace and purpose and focus and confidence because it's powerful. Let's pray. Father, thank You for this morning, Lord. I want to thank You for church camp. Thank You for my mom boxing me up, basically sending me with a preacher kid to go to stupid church camp. And after a week, I could not stay away. Father, thank You for my boys and that want to go to church camp, that want to be a part of that too. They've, their lives have been touched by it. Father, thank you for every adult in this room that's went and had a church camp experience and the, and the kids that are going today, bless them with a great week, with good weather, but most of all, Father, good teaching. And Father, I ask you to work on us today. Work on us today. I know everybody here, Father, has heard something. It's not hogwash. Father, I pray that whatever we've heard this morning, you're trying to speak to us, that we'll listen to it, reflect on it, mull it over in our minds, thinking of it until it begins to sink and take root and grow and make us like a mighty oak by a river and mature us and grow us to leave fruit for others, something good we leave behind that helps others see and taste that the Lord is good. Oh God, help us be the kind of people where your word gets so deep, Father, our leaf doesn't wither. We're healthy. And that what you want us to do, we actually can accomplish. Use us for that effect. Let the word of God, Father, dwell in each of us. Let your son's word dwell in us richly. Help us do what we know. Help us do that at least what we know, and do it well. We promise, Father, to honor You and glorify You with this. We know Your words are from heaven itself. Help us turn down the volume of of what the earth is saying and turn up the volume of what You're saying. Change us. Change me. Pray in Christ's name. Amen.